Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucette, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist, your weekly podcast where on each episode we interview a different uh, martial artist, preferably from as many different backgrounds and many different styles as we can, and and we get to hear their story on kind of how they got going in the martial arts and, and what they're doing nowadays. This week's guest, I'm excited for this one, she is the founder, owner, and chief instructor of Nicola Valley Muay Thai in British Columbia. And she's also the first female indigenous Muay Thai instructor to be certified by the Sport Authority of Thailand. So please welcome to our show today, Melissa Moses. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. I'm really excited. Me too. Well, before we kind of get into what you're doing now, as I do with most of my guests, let's kind of go back to the beginning and just kind of talk about how you you first got interested in martial arts or maybe where you first saw martial arts, how it kind of uh, piqued your interest and and, uh, started that uh, path down your life. Ooh, when did it um, I was eight years old and my mom was the one who brought me to my first Taekwondo lesson. It was ITF Taekwondo. Okay. Um, here in Merritt, British Columbia, and I was she was she was worried for my safety. Um, I was bullied as well, but there was also a lot of uh, missing and murdered um, Indigenous women and girls here in Canada. Oh wow! And so my mom, you know, being worried and being a mom, she wanted to make sure that her only daughter. Uh, would have the skill set to be able to protect and defend herself if if there was a a need and a time for it. So that was that was my first exposure to to martial arts, and and I I didn't know I was going to fall in love with it. Um, just happened to uh, my my master instructor at the time was. Uh, said that I was really good and if I really wanted to I can go to the Olympics if I wanted to uh, so he put that in you know he in my mind but I was like no I'm not, I'm not I don't really want to compete like that like you yeah. know I, I was always taught that martial arts you know like you you only use it to protect in you know in self-defense so and I was going to go into hockey. I was being recruited to go and play on a on a girls hockey team. And my master instructor then was like, no, he's like, what are you going to do with hockey? Like, what's hockey going to do for you in the future? I'm like, I don't know. I just want to go and hang out with, you know, other girls my age and enjoy the sport of hockey. You know, I'm and he says, well, you, you're, you can be like an instructor like me one day. And, um, you know, telling, telling a little girl this and, you know, I'm not even thinking about becoming an instructor at that point, but he, but I guess he saw some potential back then that I didn't really see. 
you know, it's not every day that uh, a little girl is, you know, saying, when I grow up, I want to be a martial arts instructor. You know, that, that wasn't me at the time. And, uh, but yeah, no, um, I would have to give credit to my mom for my first exposure to, to martial arts. So now you mentioned, you know, hanging out with, uh, other girls and other friends your age in hockey. So how many other girls were in your first martial arts class? Do you remember? There was maybe a handful of us in, in our, in my class. Okay. Um, mostly, uh, were, were men and boys, uh, definitely dominated, uh, you know, the numbers in the classes that I was in attendance, I being, we speak about girls, but we can also talk about, cause I'm first nations from British Columbia is there was out of all the years since I've been training, I've only ever trained with five indigenous uh, martial arts practitioners in my entire life. And, you know, being, since I started when I was eight and, you know, I'm about to turn 35 here in a, in a couple of weeks and I've only ever trained with five, but, you know, in my lifetime so far. Wow. And all of them were men and boys, indigenous men or boys. So I personally hadn't trained with an indigenous woman or girl, and I haven't met another indigenous martial arts or self-defense instructor yet so i've heard they're out there i heard there's one in saskatchewan and i heard there's you know there's a couple in the states but i personally haven't met them so they're very they're hard to find or they're hard to to come by they're just not very many of them and and when i started my business here in canada back in september 2018 um, because I was answering the call to the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, because it was bringing our attention to the tragic levels of violence faced by our Indigenous people across Canada and the United States, uh, which includes First Nations, Inuit, Métis, and Native American communities. So that's the reason why I came back home to Canada. And it was that there I thought okay, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of a lot of women and girls interested in, in these programs because all the classes that I've taught or I've trained at in the States were all uh, male dominant in all my classes. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, if I'm lucky, I might get 10 mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm lucky. And as, but there was such a demand for self-defense in Indigenous communities that it blew my mind when I held my first self-defense seminar, you know, I'm just praying to the creator. I'm like, just give me, just give me 10 and, you know, I'll be happy. (laughs) And I end up getting 50 Indigenous women and girls showing up to my first self-defense seminar. Nice. And I was almost in tears. Because, and then people were like, like, what's wrong, Melissa? And I'm just, you know, um, and I'm just saying, I'm like, you have no idea. I've never seen this in my lifetime. I've never seen this many Indigenous women and girls taking a self-defense class or just a martial martial arts class, period. And they're like, really? I was like, we are pioneering in something that's never been done before. 
and and it's and it's in demand because we're experiencing so much of our missing and murdered sisters and brothers in North America. Wow. Yeah. That's a really cool story. So first of all, how long did you stick with Taekwondo and, and, and what level did you get to? And then was there any other styles before you found Muay Thai and, and how did you find Muay Thai? Oh, uh, let's see here. Um, ITF Taekwondo, I trained ITF Taekwondo and WTF Taekwondo up until I graduated high school. Okay. And I went went on as a so I was a black belt in ITF, um, and I tested with them, and then I tested uh, WTF, um, so first degree black belt in in WTF. But I actually held off on the being registered on the international, like the Cookie Wan Federation. I didn't I didn't want to be registered as a black belt. And because I didn't see myself going forward as an instructor. And if I ever had to use my my martial arts, I didn't want it to be held against me in self-defense. And, you know, because I was about to travel a lot and I wasn't, you know, it just to me, a black belt was just a black belt, you know, and a piece of paper. Like, I feel like there's just always so much to learn from from the arts. Mm -hmm. And uh but I started getting into other styles. Like when I was in WTF Taekwondo, I met a Filipino um, instructor and in his family, they do nunchakos uh, and they pass down this art style only within their family members, like within their family. And he had invited me to, to learn, to learn privately with him and, and his family and uh, so I, I took up the offer and I started learning. That was my first intro into to weapons. Okay. And it it was intense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned so much from him. And I would have continued training with them, but his his wife had been diagnosed with cancer, and she ended up passing away. And they had uh, they had uh, twin boys and a baby. And you know he was. You know, he was really hurt with the loss, and uh, we discontinued our lessons. But that was when I got into traveling because I was a forestry firefighter for the summer, and I decided that I I was going to go to Korea for, to go and train more Taekwondo. But then that's when the the bird flu hit, okay. and I don't know if you remember that. I think that yep. was back in '04, and the, my friend's mom was a medical doctor. And she had contacted me and said that if I didn't have to go, that I should stay home. And my mom had was crying and she's like, don't go. Like, if you don't have to, like, you know, wait till this is over. And I said, you know what? Okay, I'll try to get a refund on my my tickets and cancel my traveling. And then that's when I decided to go to Hawaii and, you know, visit my aunt and my cousins that lived in Hawaii. And that's where I started just picking up the traveling experience, like the traveling bug. Um, Like I said, I I still wasn't in the mindset of becoming an instructor or anything. And, you know, I picked, went and attended Taekwondo courses over there. And then I started dabbling into other styles. And, and then I, and then everywhere that I traveled to, because I traveled a lot, I would just 
stop in and, and hit the, the MMA gyms or the martial arts gyms in those areas and just start just training and learning as much as I can wherever I was. And uh, yeah, I guess I don't even remember when I got back. I got to Washington State because I had been traveling for a disaster relief company all over the states and Canada. And then I was in the yachting and I was a scuba dive instructor. So I traveled a lot and I didn't really settle down until Washington. And that's where I met my Filipino um, master instructor, Marlo Lou Farallon. And and she was a really well-rounded martial arts uh, instructor and practitioner. And he had a, a gym in Skagit County called uh, Kalahi Martial Arts Academy. And the the only reason why I, I started training there was because I was, there was somebody that was kind of stalking me at the time that I didn't feel comfortable. Oh. Like I felt, felt like someone was stalking me and um, because I would always see this person in all the grocery stores that I was going to. And, and it was just like, you know, first it was a coincidence and then it, it kept happening like one too many days in a row that I was just like, this behavior doesn't seem like normal. No, no, no <laughs> like, uh, and, and so that's when I, I decided to um, find a, a martial arts academy that, you know, could teach me because I, I love Taekwondo. I do. It's a very sporty martial arts. And, and I'm only speaking from my personal experience right. is, you know, cause you learn like your fist, you used to use your fist and your feet. Um, we don't usually train too much elbows and knees, right. In Taekwondo. And I was, sexually assaulted when I was 18 when I was in forestry firefighting and when I was because I was one of two females on a 20-pack crew and Taekwondo didn't help me with that situation because they had because you know your fists and your feet those you know those are more like your long weapons right and then the the assault broke that broke through that portion of my weapons and I didn't have a lot of skills in using elbows and knees or I didn't have a lot of grappling experience at that time either that situation ended up going to the ground but I was able to talk myself out of that situation and was able to get out of it escape it but I was actually really angry with taekwondo for for many years after that Okay. Uh, and it and it wasn't until I met uh, Master Ho. He's a Korean Taekwondo uh, grandmaster, and I was doing private lessons with him because I was training for uh, kickboxing, fighting, and competition and Muay Thai competition. And the, my opponent was a was a, a kickboxer, so they we wanted to sharpen up my my Taekwondo skills again. So I we we're I was. Um, advised to go do some private lessons with uh, Grandmaster Ho, and uh, there was there was a moment there that someone had brought up what had happened back when I was in forestry firefighting, and it was a triggering moment for me. And 
I was actually emotional and I, I was at practice and I just broke down crying and grandmaster was like, what is wrong? And I'm like, this is what had happened. And I said, I am so angry with Taekwondo and everyone that said that, oh, like she should have been able to protect herself because she's a black belt in Taekwondo. And it was like, like, should I have been able to protect myself being a black belt? Like I felt like the skills that we we had learned weren't, weren't helping me in that particular situation. And it was, you know, Grandmaster Ho said, he's like, you know what? He's like, when you're up against the bigger and stronger person, he said that he had told me, he's like, Taekwondo is not great for women's self-defense, you know, because it's very, the, the style these days is very sporty. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. Like, you know, I was like, okay. So hearing that from a grandmaster versus all these other people that are judging, right? Judging what had happened. Like she should have been able to protect herself and defend herself. But, you know, I feel Taekwondo, it's great for confidence building and learning a foundation, but that particular event uh, got me into other styles, wanting to learn other styles. And this is when, Lou came in, you know, the Filipino master. Mm-hmm. And I started learning because he taught, you know, he taught Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Judo, Western boxing, Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. Wow. He also taught Filipino, Kali, Hawaiian, Kaju Kinbo, and, and more. And, you know, I, I when I met him, I said, oh, there's somebody that I think is stalking me and I want to be able to feel safe, you know. And, and so he said, okay. He's like, I'll help you. And I started training, you know, in, in all these different styles. Cause you know, I was able to attend all the different classes, but the classes that really stuck out to me was, or that made me feel empowered was Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Okay. Those were, those were the two styles that I felt was street ready. Like that couldn't, that a woman or girl could learn and be able to to use these styles effectively. You know, people are like, oh, like go learn weapons. Well, you know, in the states, you know, there's your there's a lot of things you can do. You can carry certain weapons and that in the states, but here in Canada, it's illegal to carry certain weapons or anything that you could use as a weapon. So when I was starting to think about what was going to work for self-defense. I, I, like I said, I was really drawn to Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Muay Thai being because it's the art of eight limbs, you know, your fists, your elbows, your knees, your feet, and, and just the combinations. It, it just was, it was something that really, really felt like was going to be impactful. And so I really stuck with it. I stuck with Muay Thai. I was going to more Muay Thai, uh, classes and seminars and um, same with jiu-jitsu because a lot of attacks will go to the ground. So learning to have a grappling background and for me, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was empowering for me because when I go back to when I was 18, when it went to the ground, like some of these jiu-jitsu, I wish I knew the jiu-jitsu moves that I know now back then. Yeah. (laughs) And so 
you know, I'm going from personal experience, you know, what, what, you know, things that had happened to me in my personal life and, and basing what I would like to teach. You know, I was asked to teach, like teach WTF Taekwondo, but, you know, I said, no, I was like, you know, the whole, my mission, you know, when I became an instructor, which I didn't even ask to be an instructor, that just happened. (laughs) But a year after I became an, a certified instructor, that's when I moved to Canada and, you know, to, to help, you know, my, basically my mission or my passion was to help high risk indigenous women and youth build the ability and confidence to protect themselves through self-defense technique and heightened awareness. So that's why I chose Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for, for teaching and and having you know my instructors my master instructor grandmaster instructors uh back me up on on this and support which i get a lot of support from the sister schools that i trained at um in helping me with this mission because i think my first year of business i was asked how many students or how many people that i had taught in my first year and i went back to all the sign in sheets and to my seminars and classes and workshops, there was 600. Wow. 600 Indigenous women and youth had gone through my program. And that was just here in the Nicola Valley alone. I hadn't even expanded out to other communities yet. And this was working with the school district 58, um, the high school, and then we're starting to work with the elementary schools as well. Uh, I remember one day they were like, could you come and teach like all the elementary kids? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, what do you have planned? Like, what do you have in mind? And they're like, well, we want them all to experience Muay Thai and learning, you know, some heightened awareness, self-defense, you know, some verbal, non-physical self-defense as well. And we, and there's like, I think there's seven grades in, in the elementary schools here. They rotated every grade throughout the entire school day, and they all experienced Muay Thai, which became like very successful, where the principals now wanted to do pilot runs to get it into their gym programs, um, because they're experiencing a lot of uh, a bullying, and also there was uh, close encounters of kids being kidnapped. in in the area as well so you know because we have such a a high human trafficking that happens um, here in Canada which I'm sure it's it's the same in the U.S. as well Mm -hmm. but like just a couple days ago we had one of our indigenous ladies who was walking down a street and there was one guy on the street and he he tried to start a conversation with her and a red minivan pulled up with tinted windows and there was a driver in the minivan and there was another guy in the back and the guy on the street. So there's three guys. This one guy on the street pushes this indigenous indigenous woman trying to push her into the van. And, but she, she's a, a natural fighter. So she, she fought and she was able to escape and run away. And this was just a couple of days ago. I think it was like a Friday night that this happened and this is here in my in my hometown which is a small country town 
And I think we're about three and a half hours northeast of Vancouver, which Vancouver is one of the two major cities here in Canada for human sex trafficking and is becoming one of the hugest tourist uh, destinations for for people to come and purchase sex from children. So it's be it's becoming a very huge thing, and and right now there's just there's not enough awareness out there, and you know we I don't know if you you hear about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, it's you know it's it's just starting to come out on social media, and it's start you know to and people are becoming more and more aware of it, but you know it's not just Indigenous women and girls, it's it's other. You know, it's all women and girls. It just so happens that Indigenous women and girls are one of the um, most targeted out there. So that's crazy. I mean, that's a crazy spot to live in. And I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. But obviously, what you're doing is you're you're obviously doing an amazing thing up there to try to try to help that and bring awareness to it and and teach people to defend themselves and be aware. So, do you have an actual school that you teach normal classes in, or do you? just do a ton of seminars and go to the elementary schools and middle schools and stuff? Or do you have an actual, obviously with COVID, probably not much, but I mean, normally do you have an actual school? So I am on my family's property. We, we have a small studio where I teach. I, this is, it was where it was here where I started out. And uh, then my classes were getting too big. I was starting to run out of time and space. Um, to teach. So I was starting to rent out a location, another location where I was teaching bigger classes and then COVID hit. So they shut down that building to the public. So that building hasn't been open since, since COVID started what was back in mid-March. So, um, so that made me have to, to do things more online so uh, like using Zoom and uh, I, I worked with organizations really for this. Uh, so in other indigenous organizations throughout BC, you know, they would hire me to come in and, and teach workshops or teach self-defense classes. So, you know, we can do anywhere from five to 15 lessons, you know, in these different organizations. And, you know, we do it by Zoom. Uh the school district, uh, how that worked was before COVID was they had the gym set up up in their mezzanine and, you know, they had mats set out. They had invested in just a little over $2,000 in Muay Thai, like authentic Muay Thai uh, gloves and shin guards. And, you know, they were, they were investing in Muay Thai heavy bags. Like there, there was such a success rate in their Muay Thai program and, you know, the jiu-jitsu self-defense program that they were, they were wanting to see this grow. They didn't want the program to, to ever end. And, you know, when it came to the COVID right before spring break, I told the principal, I said, this COVID, I'm like, I'm not sure if you're following this, but I have a feeling the school is going to be shut down during, you know, over spring break. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, if I have anything to say in it, you'll be back. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, here's the key to the gloves and shin guards. Make sure no one steals anything, <laughs> you 
you know, until I get back. And sure enough, um, you know, he, he gave me a call during spring break and said, he's like, we're shutting down the school because of COVID. And I was like, okay. He's like, he's like, but he's like, you're coming back, right? Like you're coming back. Like once we're, we open this up when it's safe again to be able to teach. And I said, yes. And getting in with the school district was actually kind of an accident. Uh, I was invited to attend a meeting and there's a lot of alcohol and drug uh, abuse happening with, with amongst our youth in, in the, our area, which I'm sure it's in, in a lot of different uh, towns and cities. Right. And they're trying to see, like, how could they reduce these numbers? Like, how can they, you know, get kids back on track? And, you know, I, I was listening to the principal, which I didn't know he was the principal at the time because I had come into the meeting late. And I was like, okay, well, the meeting was done. I was like, I had this feeling like, Melissa, just go to the high school and go talk to the principal. Like, just go. So I drove to the high school and I was like, oh, you were the one that was talking about the, you know, the, the problems that you guys were having. I said, I, um, I'm, you know, I introduced myself. I'm crew Melissa Moses, owner and chief instructor of Nicola Valley Muay Thai and self-defense. And I just moved to Merritt back home uh, to, to teach self-defense to my indigenous communities. But I've, this is what I could teach. This is what I can offer. Uh, could I help you? Like, is there anything that I can do to help you and in battling this? And and he said, yes, like, could you teach an after school program? Like, you know, uh, and I was just like, yeah, I can do that. And like, we can do do a set schedule. So we set out this. Uh, he's like, I was like, well, how when you want me to start? He's like, how soon can you start? Like, could you start tomorrow? And I'm like, let me let's start next week. <laughs> let's start next week. So we started the Muay Thai program and he had given me a list of students uh, that were considered high risk youth, you know, like, like the way these youth were, were making decisions in their life, like their journey was going down a darker path. And so they were like, Melissa, like, could you try to get these kids interested in your program? I'm like, okay. Uh, So they brought up some of these youth and, and, and introduced them to me. And uh, I was like, okay, I was like, great. Like you guys are going to come here. Like, and I remember one student said, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Muay Thai is stupid. And I was just, I was like, oh boy, just give me, you know, just give me a couple hours, you know, just give me a couple hours, sit in on the class, just participate in the class. And if it's still stupid at the end of the end of the two hours, then you don't have to come back. But at least you could say you've tried. And so these youth participated in the Muay Thai program. And, you know, I asked, you know, like, how, like, how was it or whatever? And you know how teenagers have that attitude and they don't really <laughs> respond back to you sometimes. Yep. Well, I kind of got that. But... When it came to the next Muay Thai session, these kids came back. Nice. So they kept coming back. And, you know, close to the end of the school year, the first year, because I had started like late and like halfway through the school year. And I remember that the principal was like, Melissa, like, what did you do with these kids? And I'm thinking like, am I in trouble? Like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and and he's like, you know, like these kids went from like going from night to day. And 
I'm just like, you know what? I it's just it's just the martial art. I mean, we teach respect. You know, all the old school teachings, and I say old school because those are the most effective. I feel is like every time you you enter on the mat, you bow when you or you bow to the flags, you bow to your instructor, you know, you, and when you get off the mat, you be sure you bow off the mat. Like, you know, all the little things of like respect, cleaning your gear, you know, helping your, your instructor clean the mats, disinfect the mats. And, you know, all those little things, all those, all those little teachings all add up and make a huge difference. And yeah, and now because of COVID, um, since since I haven't been teaching since this all started back in the school system, I have all these kids that are, that keep messaging me like, crew Melissa, like, are you coming back? Like, are you ever coming back to teach? And I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm going to be coming back, but we have to wait until it's safe to be able to teach, you know, because it's a very physical sport, right? Right. And but some of them are really worried because it's like, well, it's my last year. I'm graduating this year, you know? So, um, but for me, just a little, just seeing how far they've come and, and just teaching them, you know, to walk with their head held high and their shoulders back and being aware of their surroundings. Like a lot of these kids, you know, a lot of these youth and, and even adults, they don't even realize it. But, you know, the the two things that attackers look for is one, are you distracted? And two, if you have that victim mentality. Yep. And people are always asking me, like, Melissa, like, what's the number one self-defense technique that you would teach somebody? And, and a lot of people think it's a physical technique and it really isn't. You know, it really it's a it's a mindset. It's like, OK, one, quit being distracted. You know, quit being on your phone, um, you know, when you should be more aware of your surroundings. And two, like shoulders back, head up high, take a deep breath in and don't have the victim mentality. Because as soon as you like, you know, as soon as you have someone like hunched over and, you know, there's, you know, science proves that there's chemicals being released in your body that makes you feel bad. And then you go to tell them, put your shoulders back, head up high. You know, science proves that there's chemicals in our bodies that makes us feel good, right? So when you're feel good, feel confident, feel empowered, you know, you're giving off that vibe. So you're less likely to be targeted, right? Right. So teaching, teaching the confidence and how to carry yourself is and having in the mindset, you know, it's, it's very important. But no, but other than that, I just teach, teach online right now currently um, and do private lessons online Well, because of COVID, but we are working on developing a program online that could be purchased um, on my website when we go to relaunch the website. Wonderful. And hopefully we're, hopefully we'll be able to do that this year. So you had mentioned at, cool. at the beginning about, you know, trying to find more instructors possibly and needing more instructors to do what you're doing. So do you have any students that have been training with you since you started that are maybe, I mean, like how long would it take for you to train someone to instructor level with how you're, how you're doing it? It's, it's trying to find the people that are dedicated to the art. 
right? Like that mm-hmm. will find the time and not come up with excuses and that sort of thing. Because they all have lives of their own. They all work full time or they go to school. Yep. And, you know, I come from an old school training. Like all my instructors were all old school. You know, you put in the time, you know, sometimes it, it could be like four years. Sometimes it could be 10, 12 years right? Like, I think it all depends on, on how much time and dedication you put into your specific style. For me, I haven't, I haven't come across anyone that was really dedicated to okay. the art yet. Well, hopefully, hopefully um, you and, will. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm, cause I'm specifically looking for indigenous, right? Like right. we, there's a demand for indigenous self-defense women instructors. So that's where we're going to be the most impactful when it comes to battling this missing and murdered indigenous women and girls, because me, from my personal experience, every self-defense seminar that I ever took in my life were all male led and they were non-indigenous male led. So they don't really know of the, what we're battling as in, in our indigenous communities throughout Canada in the U S and so that there there's, there's that need. And, and if we get more and more women instructors, that's wonderful. Yeah, you know, cause there's, there's still very few of us out there, but to, to get the women, indigenous women instructors, that that's where I would like to be able to teach. And, um, this whole COVID, like I've, I've only just started, you know, I've just started my instructor journey and my business journey mm-hmm. in September, 2018. So, you know, I, I feel like I've come, you know, I'm, I'm being consistent and I'm, and I'm not moving too fast. I don't want to move too fast and, and really get things done right. So yeah, you know, there's been talk about an indigenous Muay Thai instructor program. Um, like, so what is it that we can do? Because in my area, like in these, some of these indigenous communities, they're in remote areas, like the places where they need it, mm-hmm. they're in such remote areas. So how do we teach instructors for these indigenous communities in those specific areas? So it's something I'll have to sit down and, and chat more closely with, um, you know, with, with my Muay Thai instructors and, you know, about this. But there is a need. It's just a matter of coming up with a solution and the plan to do so. Well, it sounds like you're the one to lead the charge. I mean, you're doing an amazing job already. So definitely more power to you. That's great. Kind of a few fun questions to, to wrap things up, uh, some fun ones. that. Uh, so you've been in martial arts almost 30 years of your life. You started, you said it when you were eight years old. Is there a favorite philosophy you learned in martial arts that you really firmly believe in and keep coming back to? Philosophy. I would think, I think it goes back to, I think it's Lao Tzu. I think he said this, uh, look within and you will find everything you need. I like that. Meaning like knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength, but mastering yourself is true power. I think uh, for me, in that really stuck out for me as I, I started getting more and more into martial arts and more in CI, 
into the idea of using martial arts in self-defense versus competition, you know, was really getting, getting to dive deep within because I've went through a lot of trauma growing up as a little kid and, you know, I was sexually abused when I was four and five. So, you know, as a little kid and then going through the bullying and going through the sexual assault at when I was 18, you know, like those things, you, you really have to look within you and, and learning to, to let go. Cause like by letting go, you become free. And if that makes sense, oh, I guess so. Makes perfect like, sense. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> So let me ask you this. If, uh, let's say, uh, obviously as an instructor, you probably get this question a lot, but it's it, it just a, a parent or someone came to you and just said, Hey, I'm thinking of getting my child involved in martial arts. What are some tips you would give them on, you know, what to look for in a school, what to look for in an instructor? When, oh, well, I would say, cause a lot of martial arts schools give free lessons, right? Like you can go and attend like a couple classes free, or you can attend like a, an entire week or two weeks, mm-hmm. like take your kids and just go and try and feel out the school, feel out the instructors. And, you know, because the instructors are who's going to be inspiring your kids. Cause a lot of the times, not all kids want to go and learn martial arts. Right. You know, cause I get parents who bring their kids, um, like, like my kids, I'm worried that they're going to be bullied in school and I want them to be able to protect themselves and that sort of thing. So they're bringing their kids and they're not, the kids aren't really into it. Right. Like they're like, like my mom's forcing me to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking the, taking your kids to try it out and, and let them tell you like, is this a, like, how was the instructor? Like, how did you feel? And they'll be like, Oh, that was so much fun. Like they were, you know, if if they seem like they're they're inspired like that might be the school to go with you know and it all depends on what martial arts as well like you've got your stand-up striking and then you have your your jiu-jitsu judo or wrestling you know types of classes as well so I, w- I would try it out try it out feel out the school and, and and trust your gut, like trust your intuition on that as well, because that's going to play a huge part. Very cool. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Ah, uh, I get that question more often, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I like the Book of Five Rings. Oh, great book. And, you know, the when he speaks, you know, Musashi speaks of the, the way of the warrior, and he comes from a very personal and powerful way when he writes about it. I mean, he's basically writing on scrolls in a cave on a mountain, right? (laughs) Like this is, and, and after he wrote this, when he, he passed away, like not very long after he wrote this book, but he gets to the point, like he's really direct and honest. And I like when he says advice is meaningless without practice. And he basically credits his two teachers to experience and reflection, you know, experience like you're gaining your wisdom from that experience. And I could relate to this because coming into teaching self-defense to indigenous communities, like not many people have done this before. Like, like I said, we're pioneering in something that's never been done. And there's, 
so much trauma, like historical trauma, which leads into current day trauma. And so there's a lot to learn. And I don't know many, many martial arts instructors who've had that experience with Indigenous communities. So I really had to rely on my on my personal experience and and to to gain that that wisdom and then reflect upon it like how can we make this program better how could we um in, increase the safety of our indigenous community so he, he he really touches on polish polish your particular way right and mm-hmm. it's uh for me i think the book is is one of the greatest private lessons you can get I think you're out of over 20 interviews. I think you're the first one to mention that book, which is actually surprising because it's, it's one of my favorite books and I'm surprised it hasn't been mentioned yet. So I need to, I need to go back and read that. It's been about five years since I've read that one. I, I used to read it about once a year. So I'll have to grab that one off my bookshelf again. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. It's a great book. And then do you have a favorite, probably a two part question, a favorite TV show, martial arts TV show and or martial arts movie, maybe like a guilty pleasure type thing or something. Okay, let me see. I would have to go with uh, like the the most recent one that I've watched that I really enjoyed is The Old Guard on Netflix oh, with Charlie Theron. Yeah, that was great. I mean, like the movies are based on like best warriors in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're learning they're learning sword, gun, tactical training. They're including ancient and modern styles, which is pretty, like, amazing. And, like, they have to fight, like, someone that's been fighting for, what, 6,000 years? Yep. Like, the the level of perfection that they had to learn in their fight choreography. Like, they had the the, the training that they did. I could, you can see it. You can see Aikido. You can see Salat. You can see Kali. You can see Hungar, Wushu, Taekwondo. Uh, kendo and i mean there was just so many different styles that they used in their fight choreography and the level of perfection that they had to train for their fight scenes was so believable for me i mean they they went all over the spectrum when it came to the different styles of martial arts um in in that particular movie and i really do hope that you know another movie like that comes comes about um yeah no that um i think my before old guard i think it was lady blood fight (laughs) oh god i haven't seen that one in a long time Uh, you know it was was like the (laughs) like the the female version of blood sport right so so i think that was um that was one of my my other ones before the old guard came about Um, but yeah any martial arts tv shows you enjoy Martial arts TV shows. I can't really think of any martial arts TV shows that come to mind. Okay. I'm more of a movie, of more of a movie person myself. Okay, cool. If you liked Old Guard on on Netflix, you should check out uh, War, uh, what's it, Warrior Nun. That's actually uh, I think Warrior it's, Nun. Yeah, I think it's eight or ten episodes. I actually really enjoyed it. It was pretty good. You might you might get a kick out of that one. So. <laughs> That's good. I'll add that to my list. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to add that and let me know what you think. So, so any last minute like parting words you want to leave? If you know anyone listening out there wants to more information about what you do, obviously I'll, I'll add links to all your stuff we need to your website and everything. You know, when the show airs, we'll add that in there. But any last you know parting wisdom you want to leave everybody with? 
we need allies. Our indigenous communities need allies in in teaching self-defense. And if you could reach out to your to your close your nearby indigenous communities in your area, I mean that would that would help. It'll help me be able to to get this out there, right? Like we mm-hmm. we definitely want to reduce the statistics on missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. And I'm just one person and it feels overwhelming at times, but it's work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And if you are a martial arts instructor or, you know, and you want to help out, please don't be afraid to reach out to those communities. Uh, The worst they're ever going to say is no. Right. Right. So if you can help give back, that'd be wonderful. Have you considered maybe starting like a, you know, indigenous self-defense organization to try to unite and find more people that way i've uh, i haven't thought that far ahead yet okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll add that on my yeah, list, add that to your for, list too. <laughs> uh, future plans yeah baby step true true well i will definitely reach out i know i have some contacts uh, on some of the reservations in minnesota north dakota just through through mma fighting and i know i want to say in montana there was a instructor out there that taught a lot of indigenous people there and stuff. So I will reach out and, and see if I can contact some people for you and send them your way for sure. That'd be wonderful. Cool. Well, thank just, you. Yes. I just want to thank you again for, you have a, such an inspiring story and an inspiring life. And I, I love what you're doing. It's such an important thing you're doing and, and hopefully you will do it for a long time to come and hopefully get more people to help you. Right. Yes, I do too. I'm praying for that as well. Well, thank you again for your time and I truly appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.